Well, back when everybody had carbureted cars and you were racing against the same things, you know, you're actually doing something because you were racing the same things as everybody else. It's time for Class Racing Today, the podcast for the NHRA Class Racing fan. Welcome back to Class Racing Today, classracingtoday.com, classracingtoday at gmail.com. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email there. If you want a shirt or sticker, you can send that along as well. If you want to help support the show, send us a note. Uh, We are actively working on a new website currently, uh, as well as ways that you as the listener and uh, (laughs) the people that like the content coming out of this show uh, will have an opportunity to help support the show um, with your donations. So we're excited about that. So that will be coming up soon. Uh, Brian, you're back in studio again for the third week in a row. Um, how's it going? It is good to be back. <laughs> you know, Excellent. I think it's like anything. It's just getting in the routine, you know, mm-hmm. just like driving a car. You got to be consistent. It's getting my mind right. The sad, uh, sad part of the race season is over for me. I got the car stripped down and started tearing it apart. My off season has begun and I'm pretty darn excited about it actually. I, uh, I saw a picture of your motor. Um, are you? She has been removed. Ma- making that uh, go away. Yeah, it's been removed from the carcass. So, <laughs> got a few other changes. I don't know. I'm uh, might be cool. We got a good guest today, and I'd be curious to pick his brain because I'm like contemplating: do I want to race stock or do I want to go to super stock? If I have to start over with a motor. Interesting. So that'll that'll be good to ponder. Um, all my Midwest class racer guys, I'll have another good weekend this coming weekend at Kearney. I see their October second and third. There's a national open with the MCR race going on. So I wish good luck to everybody going out there for that. They're even doing testing tune on Friday. Um, I haven't missed that race since I started. It's always fun out there. Bobby, you are. Not in your normal scenario today. Um, you're uh, hanging out with your cars. What's going on in the, the Northeast? Yeah, well, tonight, I, or uh, today, I'm in um, Pennsylvania. And I was unable to race the Division One double in Virginia this past weekend. So it's like I, my season peaked out after that uh, <laughs> national event. At after your win. I haven't even been able to race since. <laughs> So just gotta, I, I might as well just retire. I won my national event and I retired. That's it. But um, no, there's too many things going on in the uh, in the Fazio uh, world right now. We have um, uh, we had weddings. I, we have grandparents that need care. Uh, my wife and stepson. It's just things are going crazy right now. But I hope to get back in the seat. Uh, two weeks we have a divisional Cecil County, Maryland. So I'm looking forward to that. I really want to start ripping some gears again and um, actually potentially maybe traveling to Vegas and Pomona, Vegas end of October, Pomona in November to spectate, maybe even drive something. Uh, I'm not sure yet. Something could be in the works, but I uh, have to have to uh, speak with a gentleman about that possible scenario. Sweet. Did you think it would get easier after you got married? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we warned you about that. Like, it will not get any easier than it is while you're single and irresponsible. It's not the marriage part. It's the kids part. <laughs> I mean, you could be married and, and do whatever you want. You throw a kid in the mix. Now it's just like, you know, there's, to be, there's just football practice. There's school. There's There's whatever other extracurricular activity and you know then there's work on top of all that so i'm gonna say right now there's a whole bunch of people looking at their radio or the youtube or however they're watching this and going bobby you're full of crap it doesn't matter about the kids it's getting (laughs) married that makes this way more difficult you know unless you're like the great like the cottons like let's just race together you know like you're the holtz you know you gotta have a wife that likes to race and then you're probably busy Filling her car with gas and making sure she's running good. Or maybe she's fixing your stuff. I don't know. We all know Paula probably carries Team Cotton just like Sheila carries <laughs> Team Lupe. So 
Yeah, see, that's tough. I, I think I'd rather have the Larry Hill approach or the Tim Barrett approach where they the wife travels with you and supports you like 110%, but you only have one car to worry about. <laughs> I don't know that I could do two and three. I mean, unless I, could, unless I had like a, a J-Rod on my team taking care of all that for me. Man, it's too, bad. it's too bad J-Rod's married. You can marry him and then it'd be perfect. He could follow you to the track, <laughs> fix your cars, <laughs> and he'd be a really cool guy to talk to all the time. Right. And we're the same height, and apparently we we dress the same. You guys like, are you guys are pretty snazzy dressers. That was uh, right. Oh goodness gracious! The one night that we run into each other, we're both wearing what black black uh, gray shorts and a black shirt, and we're the same height, and we had like the same beards going on that night. Everybody thought we were twin brothers. It was pretty funny. My first night in Indy, unforgettable. Yep. unforgettable that was classic. however i mean this guest tonight brian i brought this guest on just for your benefit because i know you're going to learn something tonight i mean i'm going to try and learn as much as i can too but i feel like i feel like I, you know everything i do is just for you i'm just that kind of person i appreciate it you're a giver you know how many people have you given the race to this year so i mean you're <laughs> always trying to help people out and we all everybody appreciates it <laughs> i know I got rewarded tenfold. That's why I said I need to retire. There's no way. <laughs> it's better to give than receive, I guess. Yep. All right. So tonight's guest is a former world champion, 2008 world champion. He's a three-time division world champion. He's won 13 divisional events. And despite all those accolades, he won his first national event just this year, a Jag Sports Nationals. And he was a recent uh, runner-up in a national event in St. Louis. So we have Mr. Ricky Decker. Ricky, how you doing, sir? Great. How you guys doing? Excellent. Now, Ricky, where do you come from? Indiana, right? But what what, yeah. what city in um, Indiana? Charleston, Indiana. It's about 15 miles north of Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, all right. So basically Louisville. Yeah. So you have been racing for quite some time, 30 years from what you're saying and super stock. I automatic 94 Camaro currently, uh, with the LT one in it. What, um, how long have you been driving that car? Uh, we had, we built it. Actually, my dad and brother built the car from a body in white. Uh, we started running it in 1998. 1998. So you talk about seat time, uh, You've been running that car for quite some time. So your uh, dad and brother built it. And I mean, well, on the subject of the car, then who builds the engines and the transmissions and just give us the whole run through of the car. Who does everything there? Uh, Parsons and Myers does the engine out of Dayton, Ohio. Um, A&A Transmissions is working on the, it's a pro trans. Uh, A&A is really doing it for me right now. Um, Lynn Schneider does the converters. Len Schneider is West Coast guy, right? Yeah. Is he California? California? Okay. Yeah. And um, as far as the uh, transmission, is that a metric or what, it's what a kind of trans- 350 Pro Trans? Turbo 350. Okay. And Pro Trans, they used to be in California, I believe, but now they're in Texas. Yeah. Pro-trans. I bought it. I, we bought both of the ones from them, but A&A is so much closer and you don't have to ship it. So we just take it to Indianapolis in the winter. All right. So is that an LT1 combo, correct? Yes. Ooh, that's a good question. How do you fix the OptiSpark? Everybody always asks, how do you make these things work? We don't have to have those in Superstock, so I've never had the pleasure. So the answer is you get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never worked on one. Apparently, that's the good answer. Exactly. No OptiSpark. Poor, oh, God, the stalkers. That's just like... You're just playing with fire with that thing. That's that's crazy. So fortunately for you, you don't have to you don't have to deal with it. But um, so you've been racing for 30 years now. I mean, with I, I thought you were a little younger than that. Your division championships. You you won a division championship in 1996. Yes, I uh, started running division races. You know, pretty much all of them in like in uh, 1993. So. Only took a few years to get the first one, so of course you think this isn't going to be a problem. But twelve years later, I finally got to another one. 
Isn't racing weird like that? Like it, you just, it was, it was kind of the same for me. I, I like, I, I got a car, I drove it to the track and I ran like street ET. And I mean, I sucked for the first month. Let's be realistic. And then I won my first race and I was like, oh, this isn't that bad. I, I could be really good at this. And then same here. It was just like, it takes, it takes a while. Like you can, you can be awesome one day and then like first round loser the next day. And it's just like, this game really puts you in your place sometimes in the, in the worst way. You did an awesome job a few weeks ago. Oh man. Thanks a lot. I'm still on cloud nine from that, but yeah, I appreciate it. But you 1996. So you, you built this car in 98. So what, let's go back to, first of all, what year did you turn 16? 1988. 88. All right. So you apparently have started racing right away when you turned 16, right? Can you tell us all about this? Yeah, we actually had a 69 Nova. Um, it was actually super stock automatic and super stock J automatic that my brother and my dad had raced. So that was the first car I started racing. So right into super stock, no like brackets, no nothing. The first thing you uh, went down the track in was a I raced stocker? a, I raced a street car one time, but yeah, other than that, we started basically in a race car. Oh, man. What was the combination of that car? Do you remember? It's a three fifty, a two fifty five. Um, it's 19, it was a 1969 Nova. Do you remember much? Right, do, you remember who, in... do you remember who your first race was? Actually, we took we had a the local track, Ohio Valley. We they had a Wednesday night gamblers race, so we went out there and raced in that, and somehow won the first time. You know, it was a small race, but did end up winning. Then you were hooked. No, oh, yeah. Well, it was long before that. That's my dad started racing in 1981, so we pretty much grew up at the track and. That's all we've ever done. Has he always been stock type racing or did he do anything else? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. We've not had any bracket cars to speak of until my kids in the last uh, four years, I guess, five years. Cool. Had you been to Indy or anything like any of the big races then before? Or is that come later? Um, Actually, we had a guy borrow. We had a 67 Camaro also at the time. Uh, a friend borrowed it, Kenny Morris, in 1983 and took it to Indy, put his motor in it, and one class there were like 13 cars in Superstock Automatic that year. That's pretty neat. Wow. Yeah, you always hear about the heydays and just different people I talked to at the track about what it was back then. And they said, man, Indy was just, I mean, it was just electric and the cars and the competition. It was just, it would have been something really cool oh, to see at that time. Yeah, it was definitely a different time. Racing and chilling everywhere. 180 cars showing up. Oh, yeah. Only 128 getting in. I mean, I do wish I could have uh, been there for that, just to see that. Because um, I just went this year for the first time, and there was like 132 cars, I believe. So it wasn't too hard to get in. Yeah, it's definitely a different time. It, it definitely seemed more fun back in that time. Oh, thanks a lot. So I missed it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Maybe next year. Well, back when everybody had carbureted cars and you were racing against the same things, you know, you're actually doing something because you were racing the same things as everybody else. Yeah. Now this, this 94 Camaro, um, what's the, uh, advertised and NHRA rated combo. It's, uh, advertised at 275 and it's, uh, it's only been hit four horsepower at 279. Wow. Really? Now, Brian, that's different in stock, right? For this combo is that that's not your combo though right which no, uh, I, you have the, I want to say the lt one's rated at like three three forty two maybe three fifty eight i think yeah no it's i think it's actually yeah i think you're right because it's got more horsepower than the ls and the stick but it's less than the ls right so they they definitely they the ls that, and the lt one in stock are like demolished then that's that's the uh long and short for sure Okay. There's still so, there's still a little hope. I mean, it's overrated, but hey, they're good combinations. So we've got a, or we've been fortunate that everybody kind of works together and protects the one that we were on. Yeah, nobody did. Nobody did that with the LS. Like they must have just everybody no. hated each other. Like let's see how fast we can beat this thing. Well, there were two of them that ran against each other. We won't mention any names at Columbus one year, and they went one twenty under racing each other in class. <laughs> So that's a double hit then, isn't it? Uh, it wasn't good. I, it's well, if one of them's going 120, they might as well both just do it, right? I don't. Do you, does it make uh, it worse? Same engine builder friends, 
probably shouldn't have happened, but it did. Oof. Other than that, you Chevy guys do a great job of working together. I've always admired that, and I've probably said it on here a hundred times, but, like, there can be 20 or 30 Chevy guys running the same combo. They all keep the average down. They all work together. It's great. If one of them has to go fast for a reason, the other ones keep it down. There will be, like, four Ford guys running something, and all four of them want to go as fast as they possibly can, and they just ruin it in a couple years, and then that's the end of that. So, commendable. You, uh, you Chevy guys love it. Now your car is fuel injected. So which, uh, computer do you, uh, go with to, um, control the, uh, fuel injection? We use fast. Fast XFI. All right. So. Yeah, they've, they've made this very easy for me. Are you a uh, computer, uh, genius tuner here or what's going on? No, not really. I'm. I can get through it. I mean, once you get it pretty good, you don't really have to. I mean, I really don't have to work on it during the year. And David Page and Matt Maxwell are you know, just a phone call away at any time. Those guys are great. They were the reason that I switched from like the XL DFI Stone Age system to when I was looking for something new. I met I met them guys at the track. I thought that was great. They were at the track, and I was like, all right, I want I want your system, and that's who I went with and they were great, man. Like a text message, a phone call, like you just said, it was exactly. excellent. I learned so much from those guys. Um, so, but I feel like now everybody's kind of switching to Holly and now like, you know, have you thought about switching to Holly or are you just, are you going to stick with the fast? I feel like I'm going to stick with them. I'm going to stick with the supports, you know, like say at any time, any day, any time of the day, normally I can get help. If I have a problem, we have it on one of our bracket cars too. One of our bracket cars does have Holly, but we bought it like that. And I, I don't even know anything about it. <laughs> I switched to Holly just because I had big stuff and I knew nothing about that. I didn't really know anything about Holly, but I know anytime I had a question or called anything on big stuff, it was not real conducive to fun. So I just yeah, switched. Big stuff kind of lost its support. You pretty much have to pay for help for that anymore. You know, and I think if you know what you're doing, like, yeah, you don't really need the support. It's probably fine. There's a lot of great features there, but it is someone new without any real clue of what to do. It was just, it was not, uh, it was not receiving a 10 on the customer service rating. Yeah, I think they're all pretty much even. It's just a matter of the support you can get or the friends you have that use it. And as long as you got somebody around, they can work you through it. Yeah. I know the fast guys that have that, they're, they're super happy, but most of them know what they're doing too. So, you know, the support, once you kind of get in there and get used to the button pushes and which way to do stuff, it doesn't take a lot. It's just, if a guy does have a question, you want somebody that's going to answer the phone and take care of it. And hopefully somebody that's going to pay contingency too. And I know fast pays and Holly pays. So that that's always kind of like a, an added bonus. If you ask me, you know, are you an open loop or a closed loop guy? Uh, it's an open loop 98% of the time. That's what I, that's my thought. And everybody's like, Oh, you got to run close up. I'm like, mm, I don't know why you would want to, like, I don't want it changing. Once you get it close, you pretty yeah, much just I leave mean, it. But maybe at the start of the year, if you're changing something and you might be in left field, it may help. But once you get it close to me, it's easier to tune when what you have on the line is what you have. You don't have to, you know, offset with correction and try to figure all the numbers out. It's just easier for me. Yeah, I would I would agree 100%, but I've had like four calls here, and everybody's like, you you got to run closed loop, and I'm like, I want less change. Like, I don't know. Even even my closed loop is tightened down so much, it doesn't change very much, and it's only at certain points just to try to, like I said, get data and look at the data and see if there's a something there. But Yeah, because if you have no two sensor go bad, then you've got a problem. Yeah, I can if you, I can if you have the wrong. If you have the, you know, the correction opened up a lot, you're going to have a problem. We ran into that with one of our bracket cars. Yeah, I've seen people with correction, you know, 15% each way. And I'm like, man, that's, I would never go more than 5%. And exactly. uh, yeah, if your sensor goes bad, you know, you're, you're done. Uh, that thing will either load up or, or start taking fuel away like, like crazy. So, uh, are you a uh, alpha N or a speed density? Uh, we're in speed density. That's what they put us onto, and it's it's been great. I mean, you can 
speed the car up, slow the car down, run it in Bristol, run it, you know, at sea level. It, it's always pretty close. Right. That's the beauty uh, of speed density. And I know David Page is a big proponent of speed density. If I, Alpha N is like a curse word to that guy. So uh, uh, I like to exactly. mess with him sometimes and say, like, Dave, I think Alpha N's better. <laughs> he, gets, he doesn't like it. So uh, nah, he, I, I've learned so much from that guy that um, I, I knew nothing about fuel injection until till meeting him and Matt Maxwell. And I can't thank them guys enough. So, oh, I mean, they're, that's anything that I've ever had or learned or done. It's because of those guys. I've, I'm just like, say they're great people and very helpful. So anybody listen, if you want great customer service, the fast XFI uh, 2.0, I think is the one that I have um, Matt Maxwell and David page were the, uh, they're still there. Right. I think, I think they're still, David, there. I don't ask them questions as much as I used to. David has actually switched over to Edelbrock, which is part of the same group, but, so he's on the Edelbrock side now, but he is still in the, I guess, in the building. So Matt's pretty much in charge of all of it now. All right. Maybe we got to get one of them guys on here and they can educate us even more. That's something to think about. So you've been basically driving that car since 16 then, or no, you started that. No, uh, 98. Actually we had the Nova that I started and then we had a 67 Camaro that I drove for a while. And then we had a, uh, 87 a yellow and blue 87 camaro we drove i drove probably from 93 until i think we sold it in like 2000 how'd you like the 67 camaro compared to your 94 Uh, i didn't actually race it a lot but there's definitely a difference those cars are really noisy inside and just it's just a lot different these are quieter and way smoother yeah i've always i I love the look of the 68s and i'm not a huge fan of my whatever 98 the the gen 4 style i like the trans ams just the bigger spoiler bigger hood but man as far as working and getting down the track and the i mean the gen 4 is really hard to beat as far as a race car i just i don't know a lot about it but i know if i can make it run pretty consistent it's it's just a pretty good package oh they're awesome we have two bracket cars you know small tire cars like yours and they're great what do you so you've been in there a long time are you a do you count the tree down or do you block or give us some insight to that? Uh, probably since the mid nineties, I've blocked the tree probably 95% of the time. Do you struggle at night? Do you got any secrets to help there? Uh, when I was young, I did, it didn't really bother me. I raced every weekend just about, and I used it and it was pretty successful. Once I started not racing as much, it started giving me problems. So anymore, I don't even bother. I just get it out of the way and do the best we can. Who's the I'm trying to think? I can't remember who's the guy that uh holds the card when he blocks. It was at the he was at Bohannon's race. Drove the Camaro, old style Camaro. He actually like holds oh. a card. I know. I heard is it Bones? A story that somebody somebody was doing that at uh, Butner's race and dropped the card and it cut the turned the car off. Yeah, it was the same guy. So he's actually holding the card, blocking <laughs> the light, and then drops it when he launches and. Yeah, I heard that story. I heard this too. Who was it? Oh. Is it Ewing? Ellison, wasn't it? No, yep, Edmund. Edmund Ellison? Uh, yeah, there's two brothers. I'm not sure which one it, it was. was. It was the Maroon, like whatever, 68 Camaro Firebird or whatever, I think. Because yeah, I was spectating on Sunday at that race. I'm like, holy crap, he is holding the car. And that's where somebody said as it dropped and hit the ignition switch when he launched. But in a way, that'd be handy, too. I mean, you can get up there right away. I just, I like mine fixed. I like to know where they're at. Got them locked down. They're always in the same spot. And one less thing I have to worry about in the car is better. Yeah. Uh, well, they changed the rule back, I don't know, four or five years ago where they had to be mounted. We used to just stick them in clips, but then they something happened, and they wanted them mounted where they had to stay bolted in. So that's a rule, then? It is was it a few years ago. I haven't, I haven't heard anything lately, but supposedly they're mine are they flip up and down but they are mounted so talking about like the stock the big money stock races super stock races we had this year you were a part of both of those right i only made it to bohannon's race i didn't make it down south what were your thoughts there i like it i like the whole you know everything about it, it just 
I mean, it was kind of early for this part of the country for everybody to show up. I mean, I had to get my stuff done early and it just, it's surprising that people don't show up. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of the same boat. I pretty much started my car there as I tried to get it out of the trailer and get it running for the first time. Just, it was a little early, but you know, the atmosphere there was pretty neat. It was just, it was really good group of cars and good group of people and what do you think has to change to make those more successful to get a bigger turnout? I'm not sure. Obviously there's a lot of people that don't want to, or don't care to race for the, you know, for the big money. It looks like there's been several, the ones that uh, Michael Beard and them had in Columbus, we went to those and they were never well attended either. I always wonder like CIC races and class and everything else. And nobody showed up. I've had a couple conversations with people just as far as, so what if you, Maybe back the the back the money down a little bit on the top and spread it out more in the middle, so maybe it pays, you know, like second, that third round. Work. If that would get more of the people, because I heard a lot of, oh, I'm not going to make it, or all the hitters are going to be there, and we don't stand a chance. I just wonder if you'd bring in more of the, the, I don't know what you want to call them. I mean, everybody in this, <laughs> this racing is pretty darn good. So I mean, there's no, yeah, that that may help. There's just a mentality of, oh, somebody better is going to be, oh, Ricky Decker's going to be there. I'm not going to go. You know, I don't stand a chance. Well, any yeah, um, any day, anything can happen. I mean. Uh, I agree 100%. I found a lucky rabbit's foot in St. Louis. You know, Bobby won a national. I mean, it's just, it's when it's your day, it's your day. And it doesn't seem like a guy can do anything wrong. So I just wish there was a way to get more of those people in there. And if you maybe load up the middle to the lower end with some of the extra money, if that would help incentivize people or not, it would just be nice to see them be able to go. Yeah, that's very possibly the the mentality of a lot of the people. I mean, but all you have to do is share your opinion with the people that are having the races, and you know, maybe things could be different. Do you? Have- I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of that that early round money, Brian. <laughs> I don't care if it's ten grand to win up here. I want to. I want to make three or four hundred to win like second round. You know, we're gonna have five grand to win third round, and then oh, there we go. Two grand I'll to win the race. In a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> You make it to third round, you split the purse. Everybody just splits. We stop racing at third round. <laughs> you got to be a team no split. Splitting's for quitting is what everybody says, you know. Then I'm a quitter. So do you, yeah. have, do you have a family then, Ricky? Or you got anybody else coming up racing? Um, Yeah, I have two sons, actually. Uh, Jacob's 26 and Joshua's 21. Both of them race um, quite a bit. Do you start in, like, juniors or do you go right to stock? Um, the youngest one ran juniors for a few years. Jacob, the older one didn't, um, they bracket race constantly now. So is turn any of those cars into stalkers or super stalkers? No, they're both stock eliminated. I mean, you know, short of a few things can run stock, but they enjoy bracket racing. See, I couldn't wait to get into class racing. I, I mean, bracket racing was so much easier. You could just drive the car there, race one day and go home. But. I couldn't wait to go spend three days at the track and only get a couple runs per day. And I don't know. I just, they, they something about make, it. I really enjoyed. They want to make 10 runs a day. That's kind of me. I'm like, Oh, there's two classes. I got extra time. Yeah, sure. We'll double class it. Stockers no, make the best bracket cars, you know, these are, these cars are double class every time they show up at the track. If you want to, you want to find weak links. That's the way to do it. Yeah, we we haven't gone through too many parts, but things are going to happen when you make four or five hundred runs a year. Well, that's even <laughs> so. My oldest is fourteen, and so he's like, "Well, I didn't really do the junior thing." But I'm like, "Maybe I need to get another stalker." And that way, you know, he he likes going. He's starting to get now where he likes to drive. So I'm like, "Maybe a good introduction." I don't know. The junior thing looks like a lot of work. Oh, it's a, it's a headache, especially when they start. That's the most irritating sound ever. I'm like, yeah. Oh, did I just agree with that? Oh, I hope I don't offend anybody. <laughs> yeah, we it was made fun. It. We did it for several years, but they're definitely difficult. Have the kids had pretty good success? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the Jacob braces a lot. He's Josh ended up move, working. He's moved to Columbus, Ohio, working for Jaggy. Now he's transporting his cars to the track and working on those so he isn't racing quite as much now so are you the crew chief or is it like my kids and they still know way more than you know so they don't listen to you 
Well, they've been around it since they were born, so they they've gathered quite a bit of information. But they, I mean, they do well. You know, it's going to go full circle when you guys all start racing super stock. Then they can get your stuff ready. Yeah, they they bracket race a lot. They were in Ohio last weekend racing. I think you're just trying to keep them out of super stock so you don't have to race against them. Is that is that what's going on here? No, I've already ran. I've already ran into one of them. <laughs> the one. He did. Oh. <laughs> it was last year at the Indy Points race. He was driving for Irvin Johns. He ran, I think it was third round. Oh, one of those Indiana Johns cars? Yeah. Indiana Jones cars? Yes, sir. Oh, those are, I mean, that's those are good good cars. I mean, your car is a good car, too, so I don't know. That's a tough, that's a tough call right there. Yeah, they're good people. They live 10 miles from me, probably. They're so, fast cars too, right? Uh, yes, sir. Was it Todd France drives one? Irving Johns drives one? How many of them are there? Are there three of them? I think there's four or five, actually. Oh, man. Yeah, actually, I got a, hitched a ride back from St. Louis last night with Todd France, and they drove a car back, so I hitched a ride back with them last night. So How do I get him one of those? Give him a call. All right. <laughs> See if he's uh, listening to this show right now. <laughs> so there's a guy that races super stock, two kids that are racing, you know, the bracket scene, big money bracket stuff. What are like, how do we get more of those people to come to stock super stock? I'm not sure. It's uh, the money that it costs to do it is so high and uh, it's tough to get tough mentality. They just, you know, most people just want to race. Have you ever done any like association stuff or are you just strictly in HRA? Yeah, we well, it's not really association. Bowling Green has combos during the year, and our local track, Ohio Valley, has some combo races too. So we have races quite what, a bit. What do their purses look like there? I haven't ran much around here lately. Uh, Bowling Green, I think this year switched to 2000 to win, I think. Let's see, we're pretty fortunate. I, we're pretty fortunate here in the Midwest just because all of our, you know, our association, I think most of them are too. Three, I think there's one that's four thousand to win, um, but they pay real heavy. You know, like second second round, you get your money back, get a hundred bucks to win. Go wins, you know, make it second round stuff like that. I think really helps drive it around here. I mean, I can go race a double, just about you know, what is there ten races a year or ten weekends a year basically. So there's twenty races you can go to for two to four grand to win. I mean, it's, it's yeah. Pretty, you all seem to have one of the best association for the classes that there are. It kind of spoiled me a little bit because I don't, I mean, the NHRA, the, the, the divisional thing was cool. The national event was really fun. I definitely want to try one of those again, but it's like we can, yeah. we can basically big money bracket race, you know, to, in a small scale, you know, 20 races a year within seven hours, but yeah, I, the, the money's just not in NHRA. Like it used to be, I was not fortunate enough to win a national event when 40 stickers, you know, paid. Bobby, you, you just went through that. You seen what it was. Yeah. And I, I mean, I heard stories my whole life. Oh, I won 20 grand when I used to win national yeah. events. And even my, my good friend of mine won one in 2014. He, he got 10 grand. Uh, I'm calculating. I'm might get about 6,800. I yeah, think, I think, I think that's about where I was. I didn't realize there was such a disparity on what it pays. Like maybe that's the divisional races, but each division pays differently. Yeah, for sure. It's like not advertised. It's hard to find. Uh, division one has been very transparent with theirs, but I ran division two a couple times and I couldn't find anywhere how, how much it paid and how much the uh, entry fee was cheaper. I was like, oh, sweet. It's cheaper to run down here. And then um, it's only after asking around. The payout wasn't wasn't quite like we get two grand to win a divisional up in D1. Um, and, uh, it wasn't like that in D5 a few weeks ago. No, that was about a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, we're not doing it for the money, right? Yeah, that's tough. Why? I'm. I wonder why that's just not like mandated all around the country. But I. I guess I don't know if the tracks have to uh, kind of the tracks pay that out, or or the division pays that out. I'm. I'm still not even totally sure how any of this works. I mean, you. You would think it would be standard through all the country. It's 200 for, they did raise our entry fee. It's 200 to run a divisional 
in D1. It was, it was 170 for the longest, but they raised it to 200. It used to be 1500 to win and 600 to runner up. Now it's two grand to win and a thousand to runner up. And I think you get more for semifinal. So that was one of the instances where I figured eh, the extra 30 bucks is worth it. Oh yeah. I think more. most people would, most people would be on for that. And, and, and we have, we have a lot of perks right now, like ATI gives us 500 extra. If you win 250 to the runner up, um, there's a lot more like, like cool bonuses. If you go right on, if you, you know, best light of the round, we have like bounty hunter awards. So D one has really, uh, come alive and, and stepped up they thanks, had to, a, thanks to other racers. Other racers are, are doing those, those perks. So. They had a bonus thing at uh, when I was in Earlville, and when I went in the gate, the lady asked me, which I didn't understand. In the end, it probably would have been, from what I understand, five or six hundred dollars to whoever goes the farthest for extra twenty or thirty dollars, I think. I like a Calcutta. They offered. Yeah, the- I didn't understand. Obviously, when I pulled in. Yeah, it didn't sound like that was necessarily explained the best. I I had no idea. Is that your first time you'd been to Earlville? No, I'd been I think two or three other times. I like that place. Nice place. I just love how, like, you know, once you're in the staging lanes, you can pretty much roll right up into the water box and turn over that grade. I just, it's a really neat track. Yeah, it is. That's Wait, good the, at the gate, if you wanted to do a cow cut, like when you came in and paid your entry yeah. fee? Yeah, if you paid, I didn't, like say, I didn't understand what they were asking, but I think it was 20 or $30 extra. What was the entry fee? Uh, I can't remember. Huh. Yeah, there so is a thousand to win in D five. So D five's not okay. Are we uh, are we off your list now, Bobby? What's that? You're not gonna come here now. <laughs> That's it. We're scrapping it. Yeah, if we're looking at the money, we're in trouble. <laughs> Maybe what they need. Well, to- that's why this podcast exists. We're trying to bring the money back. We're trying to bring viewers, new participants, and sponsors in, and then the money will money will come we just have to get nhra to uh give us more than 10 seconds of tv time at the end of a uh, hour-long alcohol top uh funny car and dragster episode well it's simple bobby let's let 10 more cars enter and then we're just going to take the top 60 qualifiers and take that money from those extra 10 cars they qualify and add that to the purse easy it's like printing money i'd be fine with making the classes performance based but the more performance based you make the classes, the more tech you got to have. Man, we don't have that any longer. <laughs> now, come yeah. on. I do. I have heard they have been getting better. There has been a little bit. Actually, they, um, they looked at our throttle bodies after one of the rounds the other day, they were checking part numbers and actually looking at stuff. So they were doing something. Did yeah. they, did they, they were doing it at, at the Maple Grove national, as I said, and you know, they were checking a lot of things at Indy too. So I'll give, I, I was, I was, pretty happy about that i was scared like I, nobody ever pulled me off a scale like third round and just wanted to check my car i was like oh god what did i do you know we well, have and, to make it to third round for that to happen bobby <laughs> yeah, <I guess>. all <laughs> right and both cars and then i was like uh and then they're like all right you're good oh thank god all right i was like you're just always scared like you don't know like what 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 you know Inter- or accidentally that I do st- is there something wrong is my car leaking like what, what's going on why are you checking me so well, I won't they get- got us in, uh, in 2008 in Memphis I think it was my last national event the last qualifying run they pulled uh, there's a, they said that whoever's in the top 10 there's one in stock and one in super stock towards down wow and actually the uh, rotor button was loose on my car and was getting ready to fall off so they pretty much saved me <laughs> An instance where a teardown actually saved you. That's good. Yeah. Well, I'll give credit where credit's due. It does seem like they're doing a real better job this year than they have in the last couple of years. So, you know what? Well, they've got a, a new, I guess, what, tech director? Lonnie Grimm, I believe. Lonnie Grimm. Is. And I did, uh, I saw him a couple times in India. I wanted to talk to him, but he was always, he was always talking to somebody. But, uh, yeah, he seems like a, you know, he seems like a good, fair uh, guy from what I've been hearing. I've talked to him several times. He's a racer and uh, like I say, he's very open to ideas and things you, you know, think would be better. So what's, what's your favorite track to race at? Probably Norwalk. 
Why Norwalk? It's just a nice place. The ice cream. I, I just yeah. I, I like that place and and it's it's cool. They have a lot of uh, good amenities there. I just um for me I love the circus at national events. And another reason why I love Maple Grove is because I'm pitted right next to Pro Stock and I get a million people like walking by the cars. At Norwalk, uh, the pros are on the other side of the track, though, aren't they? Yes. So that's what I didn't like about Norwalk. I'm like, well, there's no national event experience for me. All, all the people are on that side and I'm pitted on this side. So uh, I, I don't know. I like Most the people. I love the owner, but um, I like I like people having to get out of my way when I'm driving up to the starting line. Like I'm a little celebrity for a day, you know, I didn't get that at Norwalk. So most people, most people that come out this way, go to Bowling Green. They just love that place. Have you been to Vegas promoting any of those? Um, actually I did in 2008, my brother was working for the DeFranks and they called me in the spring or spring, winter, February and asked if I'd come out and run all their cars at the Vegas open and Pomona and, so I got to go out there and do that. It was cool. What did you think about the environment in Vegas? It was pretty fun. Did you have the wind and like as far as dialing the car and all the variations? It wasn't too bad. It was cold, very cold. I've heard that's a problem though. Like St. Louis cold in March or? Um, it wasn't very good. It wasn't that cold. I thought that was great. I loved to watch everybody walk around their coats and. Was the, yeah, I think it was what thirty nine degrees in the morning. <laughs> that was that was my favorite race I've been to. I mean, yeah, I got lucky, but just the the environment, the weather, it's like I don't. One thing's for sure, you wouldn't go much faster than you than you went there. Yeah, I I got accused of being a Debbie Downer because everybody's like, "Oh man, what'd your car do?" Like ten teens are like, "That's awesome." Is that the fast you ever went? I'm like, "Yeah," but everybody else went as fast as they've ever went. Like, oh, it was crazy. If I can go as fast as I've ever went, and everybody else goes as slow as they've ever went, that's a win. But it uh, it was, it was definitely like dangerously fast there, where the motor is going to rev higher than it's ever revved before. It was like dangerously fast, where the motors will break because they're just making more power than than they've ever made before. If we want to go faster than we've ever want, went before here, like in the Midwest, we just got to go to your place, Bobby, because all the cars on the East Coast are inherently faster because oh, you guys actually have air. You know, wait till you see how fast we go. Wait till you see the. The dump fest uh, October at Cecil County, Maryland. We've never raced there in October before, and it's already the the, the fastest track that we have. So you want to make your car go a second under, go to the East Coast. <laughs> well, you know what they say about the East Coast. Come on here if you want to go fast, but you probably won't go rounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. There's a lot of good racers. Yeah, the air wasn't very good when you were in Earlville, but you still managed to make that one work. So it was a tuner's game. No, you don't like say you don't have to touch them. You just take it out there and run it down the track. Yeah. Do you have any? What do you do? You run into a lot of heads ups in Superstock I Automatic as a person thinking about going to the dark side. Actually, I normally don't. I don't. I think I've had two or three. I actually had one uh, yesterday. Who was that? Right. Who was that yeah, against? Yeah. Uh, Alan Wilson. It was a. Uh, it was actually an LS one car. Oh, yeah, that's right, Alan. He helped me out in St. Louis. He's a cool guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. How did you do in class this year at Indy, then? No, nah, it's a bad subject. I remember something weird happened, because I remember talking to you on the starting line. Yeah, we were just kind of trying to protect our combination as we talked, and uh, just a little late on the tree and uh, didn't get the job done. Who'd you have to race? Byron Warner. That's right. Okay, now I remember. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was close. We, Wasn't it like really, really close down at the finish line? 1,000. Oh, okay. But we were, I mean, we kind of had a, a deal. And yeah, I right, just, right. I didn't, I didn't do a very good job. I just, I don't know, trying to protect the stuff. That's all you can, you know, is it really worth going 120 under? <laughs> There's a lot of frustration in Indy. What do you... Yeah, Brian, you take that. <laughs> There's a lot of frustration in Indy, I think, because of that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the rules they give us. We we deal with them. Do you think it'll be that way like, for next year, or do you think they'll change it? I'm not sure. Like, you know, this past weekend, 
we got at the mine shaft. So none of that, none of that counted unless you went 120. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, you just make it makes you wonder what the what the strategy is there. If they're, I don't know, I'm not going to pretend to guess or know what they're doing. So, well, I mean, they have the rules, and if they keep letting everybody have a free pass there every year, you know, it, it frustrates the people that don't have the great combinations, and I understand that. It was, it, it, I don't know. There's. The only place that the AHFS is going to work is at Indy. And if they don't have it on there, there's exactly. no point in even having it. If you're only going to have 50 or 60 cars at a national event, there's no reason to ever hit it. And mm -hmm. I, I saw an unusual amount of heads-up runs in Virginia D1 this past weekend in Superstock. You don't see too many heads-ups in Superstock. And, uh, I mean, I was surprised, but... Yeah, I didn't, people uh, have to be forced to to run these cars fast or there's just no point to this yeah. and somebody with one grade point that gets a car out of a trailer once a year that can go two seconds under will go to indy qualify number one put the car back in the trailer for the year and never run it again and then you're never going to have you know um, i mean we've got a great combination and we try to keep it that way but you pay you know you pay the toll too right like you're you're working on it you're trying to go faster you got to figure in your averaging i mean there's there's smart ways to do it i mean oh yeah i mean we've we, we've got a good system the way we you know we can do ours we can kind of make it run about what you need to make it run anywhere you go and it's fairly simple to get it to go as fast as you can so it's the way the rules are written and we have to play around them so, how many runs do you get out of that thing before you got to freshen it we do it every year. It normally gets about 120 or 130. I think it's about probably 105 right now, maybe. Do you have a big crew that helps you out when you go, or are you kind of by yourself, go solo, or? Uh, generally, it's me and me and my brother Steve, or you know, my wife goes. But this past weekend, I was kind of by myself. But there's always friends around to help. My kids are they race a lot now, and the one lives in Ohio, so they don't get to go as much. What do you do for a living uh, Well, when you're not racing? Uh, my dad started a lawn care business back in 1976, and um, I've been there. I got a high school in 1990. All right. Uh, did you take it over for dad, or is he still there, too? He's still there. He's actually retired, but he still takes care of a lot of the billing and you know day-to-day -day stuff on that. I'm still out working every day, he's, and he still actually works quite a bit. Now, do you have employees too, or? Yeah, there's um, six people total. Okay. Uh, your kid, you're the kid who doesn't work for Jaggy, does he work for you? No, he's actually uh, in forklift repair right now. All right. Try to keep him out of it. It's not, not the <laughs> easiest job, not the hardest. You know, let them do their own deal. Yeah, no, let them let them do what they want to do. No. No forcing the kids to uh, pick no, up where you left off, but you know you're going to have this company. You're going to have to leave to somebody. So exactly. <laughs> no, they're they've been into racing their whole life. They're good kids. Neither one of them's ever been into much trouble at all. So it's all worked out. I think it's better to have your kids work for somebody else first. Anyways, mine mine think they need to come work for me. I'm like, go get a job somewhere else. If you can stay there for a couple of years, then you can come back. Yeah, I've been fortunate to have a wife that I've uh, been able to do this from the beginning in, so I've been fortunate. And, you know, all the racing stuff is, you know, basically came through my dad, so he's uh, kept me going. Well, you're definitely definitely on to a good season this year, and it's uh, kind of fun to see where things are winding down. You and Devil Ojo are having a battle, so that's pretty cool to see. Yeah, there's there's still a lot of people back there that that don't have races. That there's still three to four people back there that could go right by. What's your schedule? Yeah, just just looking at that because you have five divisionals and six nationals under your belt, so you're pointed out as far as national events are concerned. But you still have three more divisionals you can run, and I think Joe still has one more national and one more divisional he can run. Bartosi's done; he's at five ninety, and Kent Hanley is still has a couple nationals he can run and joe lisa still has 
two nationals and a division, uh, two divisionals. So yeah, I don't know, still- Ricky, you still got, you still have a little, you can still do a little more and you're out there by 20 points. Uh, yeah, you got Jimmy's still like down there too. Back there. Yeah. Stanfield. Yeah. Stanfield's only one, uh, only run one national event. That's a first round loss. Uh, so he can still run five more, but how many more national events are there and how many is he going to go to? I guess that's he'll, the, I believe he'll make it to all of them. And I mean, you got, there's just off the top of my head, Jimmy D Frank, Jody Lang. There's, there's people out there. What's your season look like with going forward? Uh, we got the double points race in St. Louis this coming weekend and more than likely I'll be in Rockingham at the end of next month. All right. Yeah. So we'll see if you can keep that lead, protect it. You have any, uh, sponsors, anybody you want to thank? Yeah, there's always somebody that's helped, you know, there's tons of people that have helped over the years. Um, definitely my wife and uh, my dad and my brother's always been there for me. Uh, Jeff and Charlotte Donor are always there. Nick Morris, uh, the Dubs family. Hoosier Tires has been there. VP, Lucas Oil. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but anybody that's ever been a part, I appreciate it. All right. We appreciate you taking the time to come on to the Class Racing Today podcast. And uh, we wish you luck for the rest of the season. And, um, you know, have a safe trip back to uh, St. Louis. Good luck at the double this weekend. And we'll be checking in to see how you do. All right, guys. I appreciate it. I like the show. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks a lot, Ricky, for giving us your insight a little bit. This is Class Racing Today. ClassRacingToday.com. ClassRacingToday.gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. Don't forget, keep your eyes open. Stay tuned to the social medias because as soon as our website is ready to go, we'll let you know and get out there. Until then, stay uh Stay safe and get uh, Brian, get your car back and rolling again. (laughs) Have a good one. Thanks for hanging out with us, everyone. We will see you next one. Have a good one.